Welcome to Gov Innovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Jeff Liebman is with us today from the Harvard Kennedy School to talk about how state and local leaders can use results-driven contracting strategies to advance their jurisdiction's priorities. Here's a clip. Throughout city governments, people really need to realize that procurement is one of the most critical functions that gets done and determines whether or not a mayor's accomplishes their priorities and, and, and their agenda. And that means that people you know, in the mayor's inner circle should be thinking about the highest priority procurements and how they're going to get better uh, results for it. Many key functions of state and local governments involve contracting for goods and services supplied by the private sector. As a result, increasing the effectiveness of procurements is essential to improving government's overall performance. The Kennedy School's Government Performance Lab has been working with a set of city governments to adopt results-driven contracting strategies, including Little Rock, Seattle, Boston, and Louisville. To learn more, we're joined by the lab's director, Jeff Liebman. He's a professor at the Kennedy School, and he's also the director of the Taubman Center for State and Local Government. Jeff, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be with you, Andy. You wrote an article published on the website Route 50 last week that shares insights on procurement and contracting. One of the points that you made was that there needs to be a transformation in the culture of procurement. Tell us what you meant. Sure. Traditionally, in cities, uh, procurement has been treated as a back office function. It's about compliance. It's about invoicing. But in fact, almost anything important that a city tries to accomplish requires goods or services from the private sector. Getting kids to school requires contracting for school buses. Uh, Housing the homeless requires contracting or making grants to homelessness service uh, providers. You know, collecting trash, recycling trash requires contracting. And in in most cities, um, roughly 50% of the budget is spent on goods and services acquired from the private sector. So really, if you're thinking about trying to accomplish a mayor's agenda, whether one is doing an effective job in procurement is going to be critically important to whether that is accomplished. Despite this central importance of procurement, it, it's really treated as a, as a back office function. And so the, the cultural change that needs to happen is that throughout city governments, people really need to realize that procurement is one of the most critical functions that gets done and determines whether or not a mayor accomplishes their priorities and, and, and their agenda. And that means that people you know, in the mayor's inner circle should be thinking about the highest priority procurements and how they're going to get better uh, results for it. It means that the people working on procurement in, in city government, because these are key strategic positions, we need to elevate the status of those positions so that people want to want to do that kind of work, but also so the people in that work get the respect and the, the authority they need to help people in the agencies who are running programs and trying to procure goods and services uh, accomplish their mission. And so we, we really need to have an overall cultural shift uh, where we realize that it's a it's, it's among the most important things that people do when they're managing a city. Jeff, you noted uh, in the article that on a recent panel with city officials, someone uh, in referring to purchasing said, business as usual is the riskiest procurement approach. Tell us what they meant. So if you think about the most traditional uh, approach to procurement, what an agency does is they write in great specificity exactly what they want to purchase. Then they go out to bids for that, and they often take the lowest price bidder, or sometimes if they're sophisticated, they do a weighted average of price and, and performance, but often then they take the lowest price bidder. And the problem with that sort of traditional approach to procurement is it makes it very hard for cities to take advantage of new innovative solutions to problems. 
because if they're too prescriptive in describing what it is they're trying to buy, they're going to get what they asked for, but they may not get the better solution that, may have, that they may not be aware of or that may have been developed uh, since the last time they looked hard at the market. And so what we mean by, you know, and, and what I think uh, the, the procurement officer who made this point at the, at the Bloomberg What Works Cities um, event was saying is that if, if you take these, this really prescriptive approach, you're uh, unlikely to get the best results you can get, especially in procuring things like technology where the nature of what you might be buying is, is changing really quickly. And so what's the alternative? The alternative is uh, something that sometimes goes by the, the name problem-based procurement, where what you say in the procurement is, here's the problem we're trying to solve. Give us any solution that you think might solve that problem. And from that, you know, you may get solutions that you wouldn't have thought of before. And, and in addition, this is really important when cities are purchasing IT services. What, what you really need is a very iterative process where the vendors are interacting with the end users and the specifications are being developed and refined in real time in order to make sure they end up meeting the needs of the users. Think how different that is, that kind of iterative interaction between the city officials, the end users, and the vendor from the sort of sterile, traditional, we're going to put down exactly what we want, and that's what you're going to provide uh, approach to contracting. The point is, you know, if, if you do the traditional approach, that's hugely risky because you're probably going to fail. And so doing a more novel approach to contracting is almost certainly less risky than the business-as-usual approach. That makes sense. I know the Government Performance Lab has created a continuum of results-focused contracting strategies. I'm going to post a link to the document that explains that continuum on the podcast website. But Jeff, give us an overview, if you would, about what's generally occurring from one end of the continuum to the other. So we find that in many cases, even for pretty important procurements, cities are really not approaching the renewal of a contract with any kind of strategy. They basically come in and three weeks or two weeks or a week before the contract's about to expire, they renew last year's contract, they add a page uh, addendum to it, and then they ignore it for another year. So we describe that practice, the basically having no strategy around procurements and just buying the exact same thing you did last time as being at stage zero. We define stage one in the continuum as uh, at least asking the question when a procurement's coming up for renewal or when a new procurement is being developed, what are we actually trying to achieve here and what do we want to do in this procurement uh, to make sure we get better results or we achieve the, the goals of the mayor and, and the mayor's team? Um, and so having some strategic focus and thought about what you're actually trying to accomplish and how you're going to structure the RFP or, or the whole procurement process to achieve that strategy, we, we describe as being at stage one, uh, which, which actually is uh, disturbingly rare, I would say, in, in, in many cases. In stage two, you not only have a strategy, but you also measure the outcomes. And so you, you have some metrics that you're using to try to figure out whether the objectives were met. And then we think of stage three is using data not just to evaluate the outcome of the contract at the end, but actually to, in real time, in the course of managing a contract, to be looking at data on how it's going and interact with the, the vendor during the time that the contract is you know, being performed. And so imagine you're contracting for road construction services. You don't just wait till the end of the day and say, oops, they're late and, and running over costs. You actually have a high-frequency uh, interaction with the vendor about how they're, you know, how they're doing on scheduling and monitoring the performance and figuring out how to intervene uh, ahead of time when things are starting to get off course. So we refer to that as active management of contracts. And you know, more broadly, 
uh, often procurement is seen as the process of getting the contract signed and then people just say, okay, we're done. But in, in most cases, uh, the most important part of a government managing a procurement is actually managing it you know, during the period that the contract is in force and actively managing the contract to get good results from the vendor. I think it's worth reminding our listeners that the goal of the continuum is for a city's entire procurement approach to move up the continuum over time. This isn't just individual procurements. That said, it sounds like in working with the cities, as your lab has been doing, cities often start this process by picking a procurement. It's like a pilot procurement and moving that up along the continuum, getting their feet wet, in other words, with results-focused contracting with the aim of then doing more procurements in that kind of results-focused way. Is that fair? Exactly. And, And in the work we've been doing as part of What Works Cities, most of that work has been taking individual procurement and help the government improve that one, move that procurement along this continuum. But, you know, there are a lot of procurements out there, and if you only get one or two within each city, that's not getting very far toward the ultimate goal, which is to have all of the important procurements done well. And so the question is, what does it take for a city to not just do this right a couple times, but to actually manage all their procurements well. And that's that's the really exciting uh, pilot that we're doing in Louisville and that we're um, hoping to pilot with some other cities pretty soon. A couple final questions for you. You've noted that there are other procurement best practices that need to be adopted as you move up towards the results-driven contracting end of the continuum. What are some of those? Let me give you three uh, examples. One is cities need to do more to boost competition and uh, increase the number of bidders who are uh, interested in city business. A little bit of, out, of outreach, a little bit of signaling that the city is open to new vendors uh, can go a long way toward increasing the number of firms that want to do business with the city and give and give the city access to uh, often better a better quality or better price uh, than than they get if they have a narrow set of bidders. Second, if cities are going to move in the direction of more actively managing contracts, they have to free up the time of the contract officers so that they have time to do that. And in order to do that, they have to streamline overall the procurement process. They have to move from paper processes to electronic processes. They have to figure out ways to consolidate duplicative contracts. Often cities have situations where they'll have eight different contracts with a single vendor, which leads to endless change orders throughout the year. And the third thing uh, I'll say is a lot of the things one does to improve the nuts and bolts of the procurement system of, of making it easier for firms to do business with a city, those things not only lead to more competition broadly, but they can help on some other goals. For example, small businesses are much more likely to do business with a city that actually pays on time, and many cities can be very late in paying their vendors. Similarly, if you're trying to have a more diverse vendor pool or get more city residents' contracts, if you make it simpler for them to do business with the city, uh, you're much more likely to reach a broader set of potential vendors. I'd like to conclude by talking about one other strategy that you mention in your Route 50 article, and that is the importance of communicating how procurement and data affect community members' lives. Tell us why that's important. Sure. One of the biggest challenges, I think, broadly, for all of us who are trying to work to improve management practices in government, and particularly to do it using data and other relatively technical techniques, is that citizens sometimes don't even realize it when services improve. And if citizens don't realize that services have improved, then it's hard to create the kind of feedback loops between voters and the elected officials that leads to more demand for improved 
government performance and improve government management. And so drawing a really clear connection between, for example, improved procurement processes and the fact that the city parks are, are uh, open more and uh, you know, actually have grass on them instead of dirt, or showing the connection between procurement processes and the fact that the number of homeless people on the street has gone down, you have to work very hard to actually tell those stories but I think you have to relentlessly tell those stories because if you don't, the voters won't notice that government services have improved. And if the voters don't notice, they won't give credit to the mayor. And if the mayor doesn't get credit, it's, it's harder to produce the feedback loop we want that leads to more and more of these kind of practices. A useful insight for public managers, no doubt. I will post links to Jeff's recent article as well as a four-page guide to results-driven contracting produced by the Government Performance Lab and I encourage listeners to check them out. Jeff, thanks for being with us. My pleasure.